Welcome to JoyScore. My name is Ellen Lund. I will be your host today. JoyScore offers tips and tools in health, fitness, and mindfulness. Today we have an amazing guest. Her name is Christy Dysart, and she is a yoga teacher. She teaches gentle yoga. I love this podcast. This podcast is based on a warrior's wisdom. Uh, Christy was diagnosed with cancer in 2014, and she uses her understanding, deep understanding, exploration of self, understanding of what she went through physically to inform her yoga practice. It's a practice that's filled with love, energy flow, and just kindness. Um, in addition to that, she offers breathing techniques that are very, very explicitly informative. Um, she also goes into, delves into the chakras and provides a very inspiring yet um, summative account of each of the chakras so you understand energy flow. It is amazing. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I did. Additionally, I am posting her website, her email, and information, her bio in the um, show, show notes for your information. I hope you take advantage of it. I definitely will. And enjoy. Hi, welcome to Joy Score, offering tips and tools in health, fitness, and mindfulness. My name is Ellie Lund, and I will be your host. And today we have the pleasure of speaking to Christy Dysart. I have a wonderful connection with Christy, and I have to tell you that when her youngest, the youngest of her three sons started school, she realized that she was ready to stretch herself just a little, literally and figuratively. Having earned a BFA in dance before she embarked upon her adventures in motherhood, Christy was searching for something that moved her mind, body, and spirit. She wanted to devote herself to creating more joy, more peace, more love for the people in the world around her. So she decided to deepen her yoga practice and pursue her 200 RYT certification. Soon after, she began Lulu Yoga and now teaches both private and public classes for those who want to deepen their knowledge of their own body, mind, and unique energy. And today we invited Christy to tell us a little bit about her personal journey, her narrative, and her connection with being and doing. Christy, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me, Ellie. You're very welcome. Thank you for being here. <laughs> it's my so, pleasure. Christy, you know, you and I were talking a lot about um, Eckhart Tolle and how he discusses the power of aligning your doing with your being to derive a true sense of joy. Could you illustrate for us how you've done that with your yoga practice? Yes. Well, as you mentioned in the intro, I was... Um, Staying at home with my boys, and when my youngest son went to school, I um, I knew that I wanted to be active in helping people to um, find joy in their own bodies, to be comfortable in their own bodies, and I um, I wanted to help people um, physically as well. Um, I, when we are moving through life and we um, come up against challenges, um, it can be it can be so overwhelming sometimes when we don't have the tools to um, address those challenges. And I feel like yoga in my life has provided me with such a wonderful tool to address the challenges. So, I um, I really pulled on. Um, the idea of um, aligning what I was thinking and what I was doing um, with what I invested myself in once I was able to um, allow, uh, you know, once I was able to have a little bit more time in my life. Um, there's an, another quote, um, I love to I love to use quotes at the end of my class. There's another quote that I've um, enjoyed sharing with my students, and that's from Mahatma Gandhi. And he says, happiness is when what you think and what you say and what you do are in harmony. Mm. That's beautiful. Ah, so, um, so being able to um, spend time helping people um, 
in their bodies, in their, um, you know, in their minds and in their hearts as well is, um, it gives me joy and it helps me to feel like I'm, I'm, um, pursuing, um, something that in my life that isn't just helpful for me, but is also helpful for other people. Mm -hmm. And how do you align that? How do you bring joy through the alignment of the heart, body, and mind? What does that mean to you? Um, you know, I think for me, I, um, I have been what, um, what people would call a worrier for a good part of my life. Right. Um, so when, when something comes up, I tend to, or I, I tended to, um, always imagine, um, what might happen, you know, give myself reasons to worry. I was always trying to predict the future a little bit. Mm Um, and I realized, um, that, you know, when I am, when I move into action around my worries, if I have a worry, I can sit with it forever, right? (laughs) We Mm -hmm. We can sit with our worry forever. But once I start moving into action, um, and addressing my concern in a way that is um, that is physical. Like if I'm worried about a conversation with someone, if I if I just have that conversation, then I've moved into action around that worry. And often mm-hmm. there, I realize, oh, I I didn't have so much to worry about. Mm-hmm. Or if you're worried about some. You know, many people, uh, uh, we've just been through um, a challenging election and many people were very invested in it. And, um, you know, so many would feel worried about what would happen. But, you know, if I would invest myself in um, trying to find um, places where I could invest my resources, my time, my money um, to help people who I felt like were um, you know, pursuing the causes that I wanted to pursue, then it helped me feel not worry-free, but more at ease, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when we are, when we, our bodies are active, doing the things that our minds are concerned about, we feel more at ease. It doesn't make all of that um, discomfort go away, but it can really, really help. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say that the fear lies in the anticipation mm-hmm. and a lot of the energy in our body is caught up in that fear and the anticipation, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we refocus our mind and open the space in our mind to go into the doing, it refocuses our mental activity and that energy flows into a different area. Right. And it, you know, there, there are also, um, problems that we just have zero power over. So we can't always do something to directly address the issue that we're concerned about, you know, we, or we can address it to some degree, but then we've exhausted our ability to, to really directly impact that issue. Um, And that's when I do feel like the more physical um, aspect of yoga can be helpful. Sometimes when you, you, you know, we all know that sometimes if you just go for a walk around the block, it can settle the way you feel because you're able to um, get some of that pent up physical uh, tension that's in the body and, and give it a place to go. And yoga can do that as well. You know, we can get, um, get a little bit more energized in our practice and, and feel some of that release, get into some deep stretching and deep releases, and we can let go of some of that tension in the body that inevitably um, inevitably happens because we're human. It's not a bad thing. It's just a natural thing. And mm-hmm. yo- yoga enables us to um, release that tension. Mm-hmm. And you talked a little bit, you, you specialized in gentle yoga. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Yes. Yeah, so, um, 
You know, when I first started my certification, it really wasn't my intention to focus on gentle yoga. And in fact, soon after I was certified, I, um, I was teaching um, some children's classes and really enjoying that. I still do. Um, and teaching some, um, some more, you know, challenging classes, some more deeper sort of physical um, engaging classes. Um, but then in 2014, about a year and a half after I was um, certified to teach, I was, um, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And mm -hmm. so I, um, I took time off teaching and um, had to address that. Um, and ultimately I um, had a couple of different surgeries, several different surgeries, and um, I needed to have a double mastectomy. So, mm -hmm. um, so I did had double mastectomy and reconstruction and it was quite challenging physically. Um, and I resumed, uh, my practice before I resumed teaching. Hmm. Um, so I was going to classes, you know, very gentle classes before I resumed my teaching because I wasn't quite there yet. And, and, um, in those, in those gentle classes, I was also modifying, you know, um, only doing what, what my body was telling me I could do. But it was amazing the amount of joy and peace and power even that mm. I could find in my own body. Mm. Um, and I realized then before I even was able to return to teaching that, that when I did go back, I wanted to teach gentle yoga specifically because when people go to a gentle yoga class, they, they really are looking for healing and, and, you know, my own experience helped me to deeply understand the, the healing power of yoga. And, uh, and I just wanted to share that with people. Mm. And, you know, also, during the time, um, like during my surgery, and um, during multiple different um, appointments and, you know, challenging moments <laughs> through the whole process, I, um, I held on to a mantra that um, I had chosen, and I continued to repeat that mantra to myself. And it's the mantra is aham prema, which means, um, essentially means, I am divine love. Mm. Um, because I wanted to, uh, you know, my goal was to face the cancer without um, a sense of panic. <laughs> mm. um, I was trying to be really intentional about the way that I framed it in my mind. I didn't want to be angry with my own body or, you know, I just wanted to be able to go through the process and, and make sure that the cancer was all cleared away and still love my body the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I felt like it was, it was just a better choice for me. You know, everybody has their own, knows themselves, um, sometimes knows themselves well enough to realize, okay, my, these are, you know, this is when I'm at my best is when I'm, when I have an attitude of love or joy or peace. Um, and some people really feel more empowered when they have, um, when they have an attitude of, I can beat this, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing, but for me, I didn't want to, I didn't want it to frame it that way. Um, I didn't want to ever get frustrated or angry with my own body. I, <clears throat> I wanted to, um, I wanted to just um, be a little bit less, um, uh, I don't know. I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, cultivate anger or frustration or panic in my own body. I wanted to cultivate peace um, and determination, not that I couldn't be determined. Um, 
so so that's that's why I um, you know really feel like I can help other people who are facing challenges and maybe tend to get um, a little bit um, overwhelmed with not feeling comfortable in their own body or feeling betrayed by their own body somehow. Um, and really, the more we love ourselves, the more likely we are to take care of ourselves and heal better. So that is what that is what inspired me to um, to really turn to teaching gentle yoga um, after my experience with cancer. Hmm. It's an incredible story. You also really touched upon the idea of intention and setting mm-hmm. your intention as you begin your, your path of yoga. Um, and just looking at the intention lying in the, those powerful words of love, divine love and yeah. uh, acceptance and freedom to move. Um, there is also a piece that you talked about earlier um, and you said something about my body was telling me, which kind of tells us something about our body is signaling or messaging us. And you had talked previously about that, the idea of listening to your body, finding out what is it messaging to you. How could our listeners have a little bit more insight into your intuitive awareness of what the body does and what it tells you, how you're communicating with the body and the mind and the soul at the same time? Um, so I, I really do feel like we are all able to hear messages from our body. Some of them are louder than others, right? If you step on a pebble, you pick your foot up, ouch, that hurts. Or, you know, you can tell when your stomach is growling and you're hungry or whatever. Um, and, and often times in our culture, actually, we are encouraged to ignore those messages, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, push through the pain or, you know, no pain, no gain, that kind of thing when your body yes. is telling, <laughs> yeah, when your body is telling you, okay, this is, this is not good. And we're, and we're encouraged in our culture to just ignore that. Um, or, you know, we, we're so you know, centered around diets and things like that, where we're, we're asked to ignore some of the hunger cues that we have, or, or maybe even sometimes we're not hungry, we're quite satisfied, and we ignore those cues as well. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that goes on all the time that we are, you know, very able to, to pick up on that we really just choose not to listen to. And, um, you know, in yoga, my body hurts sometimes. Um, the yoga body is not a, a, a body that never hurts or never experiences pain. I, I, you know, I have trouble sometimes with my low back. Um, but what yoga has offered me is awareness. And how to really pay attention to the the little signals that happen before my back starts hurting really badly. Hmm. So I pick up on those subtle things, or I know, oh, when I when I go out for a little jog for a run, if I don't pay attention to um, opening up my hips a little bit, stretching my hips afterwards, then I'm going to feel more uncomfortable in my low back. So, you know, you just learn these things by experience. And what yoga offers us is to have, have time on the mat dedicated to really listening to those things. Um, Lying still on the, on the floor, just in Shavasana can help us to understand places where we're holding tension that we didn't realize we were, or, um, you know, holding a pose for a little while can help us understand where our muscles start to tense up that don't necessarily serve the pose, right? So if you're in warrior two with your arms outstretched, it's a standing pose. 
And all the strength and support is coming from the legs, but very often I'll find that my shoulders start to lift, right? My, my shoulders aren't doing anything to help me maintain that pose, but that's just where tension starts to gather in my body when I'm, when I'm challenged. And so I'll relax my shoulders back and reach my arms out a little wider. And, you know, it's those, it's those little things that we learn on the mat that we can also apply certainly off the mat. Now I know, you know, when I'm challenged, my shoulders tend to start to rise up. So I can try to just um, counter that, um, draw my shoulders back and down, give myself a little shoulder rub, you know, just take care of my body once I, once I know it better and I know its tendencies and I have greater awareness, I'm less likely to get a, you know, a, a serious um, moment where my back goes out. Really, since I started teaching yoga, my back hasn't gone out. It's come close, <laughs> <laughs> but it hasn't. And I, and I really do credit the, just the awareness that yoga has offered me to be able to sort of head that off at the path pass, you know? So, um, yeah, I think there are, there are ways for us to, to, um, to use just simply the breath to help us be more aware of the body. You know, when we pay attention to the breath, so it seems like such a simple thing, but, you know, it's, it can really have a powerful impact. There are so many systems in the body that we allow to just operate on autopilot, which is good because they're meant to, but we can pay attention to what's going on and really learn a lot about ourselves when we tune into those um, systems. Mm -hmm. Uh, you talked about, um, uh, movement to ease tension and you started talking about using the breath. Can you tell us what types of breaths do you use, um, to help? I remember doing yoga in the past and breathing, exhaling into the stretch, exhaling into where I felt the most tension and imagining that tension releasing is, mm -hmm. are, are there any, uh, specific types of breathing techniques that you would recommend or that you like to practice often? Well, the most common, um, the most common breathing technique that I use and I, I try to use it throughout my entire practice is the Ujjayi breath. Uh, and it is, it's a lovely breath to use as you are moving and it can help us sort of get into a, uh, a sense of a moving meditation. Um, but the ujjayi breath is a nice rhythmic breath. We want to have a sense of balance between the inhale and the exhale, right? And we breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. But as we're breathing, we constrict the back of the throat. And so it helps us to regulate the flow of the breath. It helps to make you more aware of the flow of the breath. It helps to make the breath more intentional. And it sort of makes almost like an ocean sound at the back of the throat. So not only are you aware of how the breath feels, but you can, um, you can hear that. There's, you know, multiple cues of, um, to help you stay in rhythm with that breath. So using the ujjayi breath as you're practicing, you know, you would have, if you're moving through a flow, you would have an inhale that expands the body into a pose and an exhale that would fold the body into a pose. So we always expand on inhale and fold on exhale, which is what you mentioned, of course, exhaling into a stretch. Usually those folded poses are stretching us in some way. And, and yeah, when, when we are able to use the breath 
it it creates not just a um, not just a, a rhythm for us to follow, but really the breath creates this pathway for tension to leave the body, right? If we're holding our breath when we're stretching, that tension's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it might move <laughs> a little bit to a different place in your body. Yeah. But if you're holding your breath when you're stretching, that tension is not leaving the body. But the breath creates that nice pathway. And I think specifically ujjayi breath, when you're, when you're breathing rhythmically, it allows that tension, a, a beautiful pathway to leave the body. Um, so that the ujjayi breath is the one that I use most often. And, and I will combine a, a little mantra sometimes with that ujjayi breath, you know, a little two-part mantra. Um, I can use the one I mentioned earlier as an example. I would say in my, to myself, aham, as I breathe in, and prema, as I breathe out. So aham, prema, aham, prema, you just feel that nice rhythmic sensation. And, 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 and it allows us to really bring the breath and the body and the mind and the energy all together because we're, we're breathing in time with our movement. So that is com- combining the breath and the body. We're using our mind to coordinate the breath and the body, right? So that engages the mind. And then the energy just flows. And it's such a lovely feeling um, to have all of those elements of you focused on the same thing at the same time. It's not something we offer ourselves um, in our everyday life very often. So, um, so that's, uh, that's a, a wonderful use for ujjayi breath, in my opinion. Um, another breathing technique that I have used before is um, alternate nostril breathing. This is called Nadi Shodhana Pranayama. So we are essentially sort of doing a cleansing for our subtle energy. And it, this breathing technique is often done seated. It's a nice way to help us feel a sense of refreshment. Um, you know, it is a, it is helping us to cleanse our, our subtle energy. So it, it sort of helps you feel like you're, um, you're smoothing out some kinks, you know? But basically what we do is you're going to block one nostril and there and there's a um there is a finger position that you can use to do this but it 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 can work either you know if you don't know the official finger position (laughs) it's still effective but you close off the right nostril and you breathe all the way out and then you breathe in through the left nostril and then you close the left nostril and breathe out through the right nostril and then you breathe in through the right nostril and then you close the right nostril and breathe out through the left nostril and then in through the left nostril. So it is, it's alternate nostril breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's right there in the title. Um, but it really does bring a sense of, uh, I wouldn't, I mean, it is very relaxing, but it doesn't necessarily make you sleepy. It sort of makes you feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that's the way that it works for me. Um, certainly it could have different effects on different people, but it is, it's just a lovely refreshing, uh, breath technique, um, And then one of the more fun breath techniques, the last one I'll share with you, um, is lion's breath. I love to utilize Uh. this breath during class. Um, It's a really, really um, sort of liberating breath. Um, And I love to, uh, when I was 
teaching kids and sometimes I still do whenever I'm teaching kids I love to teach the lion's breath because oh they just have so much fun with it (laughs) (laughs) we could we can learn a lot from them (laughs) Um, and, and adults can have fun with it too but basically this breath is a cleanse like a a a full-on cleanse um uh breath for your um respiratory system so what you are doing in this breath is trying to get rid of any toxins that might be um in that in the respiratory system um you know, when you've been outside and there, uh, you know, as we recently experienced here in Southern California, there's some ash in the air um, because of the the fires nearby. And um, that can impact us in many ways. But um, one of the ways is uh, in, in our um, respiratory system, or if you're sensitive, um, you know, with allergies at a certain time of the year or, or whatever it is, sometimes you feel like you just need to have a little help in, in cleaning things out. So the lion's breath is really great for that. It's also great for just letting go of some, um, some sort of nagging thought that doesn't tend to want to let go. You can use the breath to help you release that. And this breath involves us breathing in nice and deep through the nose and then opening the mouth, sticking out the tongue, opening the eyes really wide and (laughs) roaring the exhale. I love it. So the eyes are wide open, the mouth is wide open, open, the tongue is out, and it's a very forceful exhale. And so, you know, literally we're getting all sorts of stuff out of the lungs that we maybe wouldn't normally get out um, with a normal exhale through the nose or normal exhale through the mouth. Um, but it's such a freeing breath too. And, and, um, it's a, it's a great one to use when you're, um, when you're feeling like you just want to let go of something and it doesn't want to let go of you. Mm, That's brilliant. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I, I definitely feel like the, the breath is a liberating power that we have inside. If we can just tap into it. Right. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I just wanted to touch because you're so knowledgeable on this. And I just before we leave, I just wanted to touch a little bit on the energetic body. Um, You mentioned before just um, and just using the breath too. how do we touch our chakras? How do we are mindful of the energy that we hold inside? Um, And it and please let me know. This might be a better uh, conversation for a different podcast, but um, we did talk about the mind, body and spirit and energy and flow and breath. And I thought maybe we could leave our listeners with just a little bit of information about that. Sure. I mean, I, I definitely could talk about the chakras all day long, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I love, I love centering my classes around a theme and um, I often will turn to the chakras and, you know, focus on a single chakra during a class. Also trying to, you know, of course, balance out the rest of the body. But, um, but yeah, there's the chakras are, um, you know, it's a term that you don't have to have done yoga to have heard the term chakra. It is, um, it is common across many cultures and these are just Um, energy centers in the body located along the spine. And in the practice of yoga, um, there are most often um, seven chakras identified. In some cultures, they've identified fewer, and in some, they've identified more. But but for for the typical yoga practitioner um, and teacher, there are seven chakras that have been identified. And it starts at the very, very base of the spine and moves up. So the location of that first chakra is the tailbone, the very base of the spine. And that's our our muladhara chakra or our root chakra. So each chakra has associated with it, um, you know, physical characteristics that we can identify and energetic characteristics that we can identify. So let's say if your root chakra 
is um, active and open and free, you're going to feel stable. Um, it is, you know, when our basic needs are met, um, we feel we feel stable in that root chakra. Um, it is a it's a space that's associated just with simplicity and organization, sort of those things that give us the the foundation of our um, of our uh, daily life, right? Um, and when we are practicing on the mat, the physical um, the physical aspects of this chakra are to have a, a sturdy base. Whether you're sitting in a chair or doing standing poses, you're feeling strength and length in the legs. You're feeling that tailbone reaching down toward the earth. You're feeling um, a sense of real um, stability. And when we achieve that stability, it allows uh, our energy to rise up and we can start to, you know, build our practice on that, that stable foundation that we've provided through the Muladhara chakra. Then the Svadhisthana chakra is, is the second chakra. It's located in the low belly and it's our water chakra and it helps us to move through, um, like move mm -hmm. like water, you know, flow through changes, adapt to things. Um, so many people really get thrown off when they meet a challenge, um, of some, some change that's occurring in their life. Right. Um, even just a very physical change, like, um, a stop sign where it didn't used to be, yeah. <laughs> right. It can be so frustrating yeah. for us or, you know, it, we can get so, um, tense and angry about things that really, if we would just allow our ourselves to flow, we could adapt to those changes without creating so much um, frustration for ourselves. Not that we are not going to be a little frustrated, but this opening up that energetic um, water chakra, that Svadhisthana chakra, allows us to flow through it more um, more gracefully, mm -hmm. maybe. <laughs> um, and the, the physical attributes associated with this chakra are, you know, opening up the hips and the low back. When our Svadhisthana chakra is uh, bound up, we feel very tight through the hips. Um, that can happen when we're facing some emotional challenges. You know, if we've had some, some major change in a relationship or some challenge, you know, it can be it can be hard to flow through that, but that's, that's when, um, you know, yoga would encourage us to try to enact our fluid energy and uh, find a way to flow through the situation. Uh, then as we move up, we find the Manipura chakra, which is that beautiful fire chakra that's at the uh, solar plexus. Uh, certainly physically when we activate this space, we're doing core work. Um, but I, I really, you know, tend to do core work in a way that's, that's different than what most people are um, accustomed to. Very often we, we do get uh, mad at ourselves, you know, when we're doing core work, we think that no pain, no yes. gain <laughs> um, attitude. But I love to go into the core and shower positive energy on that space in the body. It's something we so seldom mm. do. You know, we really spend a lot of time focusing negative energy on our core. And, and when we can focus positive energy on that space, we're much more likely to return to that core workout if it feels positive mm. rather than negative. You know, we're, we're much more likely to... Um, do good things for ourselves and make good choices for ourselves when we shower positive energy on ourselves. Um, not to say that we're not reflective and, and you know, we can look at ourselves in a way of, uh, you know, of 
of real um, recognition of what it is we can work on. But that doesn't always have to be negative. We don't have to tell ourselves we're bad um, in order to get ourselves inspired to engage and work hard. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like I said, I could spend so much time talking about the chakras. The next chakra is the Anahata chakra. It is located at the heart space. Um, it is our chakra of um, all of those beautiful attributes of the heart, love and kindness, compassion, gratitude. Um, it's, it's no, uh, it, it, it's no wonder that that is where our arms connect mm. to our body right across the heart space. Cause we can show our love through reaching out to embrace someone or reaching out a helping hand. It is that space of connection and kindness. And, you know, as we, as we feel, um, threatened sometimes what we will do is sink the heart down around the shoulders forward and up right because we are physically literally forming a protective barrier around the heart right and when we do this sink the heart lift and round the shoulders we um we compromise our posture, obviously. And what we do in this protective state is we actually create a weaker um, feeling in our own body and a weaker appearance to other people. You know, when you see someone hunched over with their shoulders rounded and you look at them, they don't look approachable, right? They don't look strong and open. But as we release the shoulders and open the chest, we make the heart more vulnerable, but somehow we feel and look more powerful, mm. right? And so opening up this space of the heart, allowing yourself to be vulnerable, um, exposing that beauty and that light that comes through the heart chakra, it actually can help us feel more free and more powerful, you know? Um, it's, it's a beautiful, it's my mm. favorite chakra. No mm. doubt about it. Then we go up a little higher to the Vishuddha chakra. That's right at the base of the throat. If you, where the collarbones join, if you place your hand there, you can feel vibration when you speak. And in the yogic, um, tradition, you know, there is each person has their own unique vibration, which is, you know, it's very literally us being able to recognize people just from their voice. Um, that's someone's unique vibration. That's why you can know um, who's doing the voiceover on the television for that one commercial or <laughs> when you, when somebody picks up the phone, you know, the member of your family who's, who's on the other line. Like you just are able to recognize those different that's vibrations. So, that's and so this, funny. Again, Isn't it? It brings me back yeah. to teaching because I would be teaching and writing on the board and I would say, hey, Tommy. And the kids would look at each other like, <laughs> how did she do that? Like, how did she know it was me who was talking? And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah, that's the, that's the idea of, of that space that each of us not just in our voice, but we each have this very unique vibration that we put, that we send out to the world, our unique truth, right? And to be able to express that freely is about, you know, having an open and active Vishuddha chakra. And also there's a beautiful component of the Vishuddha chakra that involves listening and being able to hear and open ourselves to the truth of others, right? And recognizing that mm. as well. That's that in, important, um, that in, the importance of listening in communicating truth, right? Um, you, you have to be able to hear others as well as express yourself. So, so yeah, I love, love exploring that chakra. Then we go a little bit further up to that space right between 
the brows and just a little up on the forehead. And so many people have heard of the third eye, even if they haven't been in, in yoga, it's a very, um, it, it's a very, um, well-known concept across many cultures. That's the Ajna chakra. And this is the space where we can, um, utilize that third eye to see with greater depth, right? To see what, to, to see something beyond what our physical eyes can see. Um, and I, I love to um, talk to my students about that time, those times when we look into someone else's eyes and we see a little spark there, or we see someone just truly glowing with um, energy, joy, um, when we're able to look at someone and understand beyond just their physical self, we can sort of see and sense their um, energetic self, something about them. We can often, you know, look at someone um, and see if they're, we can see if their energy is, is lower or they're heartbroken somehow. All these different little cues that we take in um, not only with our two physical eyes, but with that third eye as well. Um, it's also a place for, for, um, for vis visualizing um, what it is that may be um, ahead of you. You know, that's our space for dreaming, our space for in, uh, intuitiveness. And sometimes those visions can, can lead us forward to, to a, a better self and a better world. And then finally, there, there, there's the Sahasrara chakra, and that's at the crown of the head. And this is the thousand petaled lotus that opens um, infinitely um, and helps us to acknowledge and connect with the divine. And, and that's whatever it is for the individual practitioner. Yoga doesn't assign a religion. It invites you to um, bring your own spiritual um, experience to your practice. Um, I love to um, I love to say that yoga was the very first um, or one of the very first self help yes. programs mm -hmm. because really what it's trying to do is just help you be your best self, mm -hmm. and it's it's not. Um, prescribing you specific things to do that are very limiting. Actually, it's opening you up to finding out what it is that is best for you and helping you to develop and, and expand yourself so that you can, um, so that you can, experience life in a way that feels very meaningful. Um, and, and it feels as if you are unfolding through your life rather than um, being, a, you know, taking a defensive posture as life throws things at you, right? Um, yeah, so as as you work your way through the chakras, we always start down at the base at, at that root chakra, we get rooted in and, and then we advance up through the chakras. Once you get to that Sahasrara chakra at the crown of the head, you know, you're, you're ready to uh, recognize the divine that is in you, the divine that is in everyone else and the common thread that ties us all together and makes us one. So yeah, that's my my <laughs> short <laughs> version of the chakras. <laughs> I tell you, it's it's um, there's so much too that I don't know, and that's that's the beauty of this journey is that I I continue to learn, and I know I have a lot more to learn, and I, I there's nothing more beautiful than when my students teach me. You know, I learned so much from them, from their experiences, um, and it's it's a fascinating journey um, 
to be on. And I'm really grateful to my, um, my fellow yogis, my students and my um, friends who practice as well for creating, you know, just a community of, of support and love, you know, especially as I was going through my, my challenges with cancer, um, this community was, was so lovely. Um, and it felt, it felt good to know that I was yeah. not alone. <laughs> Gosh, Christy, I am so grateful to you for sharing your wisdom and your your story with us and your deep understanding of the body, mind, and spirit. It is just so enlightening. And I am so grateful to have been able to, you know, um, just understand their body better and their breath and the power of the breath. Um, you have just been such a light source for us. And I can see how much joy you bring to your students. And I'm just so grateful so with that, I just want to say namaste. Namaste. Thank you oh. so much, Ellie. Well, thank you all for listening. And thank you, Christy, again. And have a beautiful day. Bye. That concludes the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's a pleasure having you on the podcast this podcast is available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. If you haven't done so, please rate and review the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Additionally, if you haven't downloaded that JoyScore app, I really um, encourage you to do so. It's a wonderful app with a lot of tools and tips that really help decrease um, stress and increase a sense of well-being and hopefully bring you a higher sense of joy. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.